the Raising the Bar podcast, brought to you by the Association of Gray's Inn Students. Hello and welcome to this episode of Raising the Bar. I'm Eleanor Johnson and today we're joined by Lawrence Cooper, who's going to be talking to us about how Gray's Inn has changed and modernised over time. Lawrence will begin pupillage with three Dr Johnson's buildings following a career in business. Thank you very much for joining us. Absolute pleasure, Elena. And congratulations on obtaining pupillage. Thank you very much. Yes, and a great relief. So today we're talking about how Gray's Inn has modernised over time. Why is this a topic that particularly interests you? Well, I was struck by the difference between what I imagined that Gray's Inn would be like and what I found it to be when I joined. And that's because I think I had some preconceptions, preconceptions about the bar generally and specifically about Gray's Inn. We've said that you initially had a career in business. How did you come to Gray's Inn? Interesting. I wasn't always interested in the law. Um, when I was in short trousers, being a barrister sounded pretty dull. Um, my my late father, Richard Cooper, was successful at the employed bar, but I was somewhat and quite naively dismissive of the relevance of his work. And uh, I suppose I was youthfully reactionary, like many people are. Um, my attitude was like uh, Mark Twain, uh, who you probably know the quote. He said, uh, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learnt in seven years. <laughs> I'm sure that's something a lot of uh, teenagers relate to. Yeah, well, certainly I can relate to that. But, um, you know, now having had a career in business as, as head of procurement in several companies, I, I wanted a change of direction. And that's what brought me to the bar. Uh, I was interested in people and I had experience of volunteering in a drop-in and um, helping to run a charity. So I thought that the family bar might be a good fit for me, as I think I think you're involved with the family bar as well. Yes, yeah, and I, I completely agree with this motivation to join the family bar, this interest in the individual. And that's what obviously drove you to come to Grey's Inn. But before you came to Grey's Inn, how did you expect it to be? Well, I, I don't know if you've heard um, a recent quote from Mr. Justice MacDonald, but uh, he he said that family law is concerned at its heart with the human condition and the resolution of the myriad of tragedies and complications that flow from it in all of its chaotic splendour. <laughs> I think that, that seems to sum it up very well. Yeah, so that quote encapsulates for me why um, the importance and the fascination of the work of the family bar. And I decided that I would find satisfaction helping individuals resolve their myriad legal problems. And thankfully, as you mentioned earlier, I've managed to persuade a chambers that this was more than mere whimsy on my part. Um, so I look forward to starting pupillage with them in due course. Yes, and congratulations again. That's great news. And uh, yeah, as I said, I completely agree with those motivations for joining the family bar and um, for coming to Gray's Inn. So before you arrived at Gray's Inn, um, you said your father was a barrister. Um, how did you expect Gray's Inn to be? Well, my impression of Gray's Inn was somewhat formed by a framed certificate that was on the wall of our house where I grew up. And it had ornate script saying Gray's Inn, and it was dated 1971. And it called my father, and I quote, to the degree of an utter barrister. Um, 
And that that did not sound necessarily very complimentary. <laughs> um, no, that's uh, maybe something I might say to someone I didn't like very much. Yeah, indeed. So what <laughs> on earth that meant, I, I didn't have any idea growing up. But Gray's Inn sounded like a, a strange place. The impression was a bit forbidding. And as a boy, I, I naively imagined a fortress-like collection of serried granite buildings presided over by gloomy gargoyles. Uh, <laughs> a bit uh, like uh, a Harry Potter castle. Uh, absolutely. And there in the freezing <laughs> interior, there'd be these shrouded figures who'd be hunched motionless over manuscripts and, and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, perhaps there are still some lawyers who prefer to work like that. But but when I joined the inn in June last year, any any remaining youthful illusions did did vanish, thankfully. Uh, it's quite interesting to uh, hear your take on that because I think even though uh, we've both taken very different routes to the bar, um, I was also quite worried about that. I think I was also worried about that image of inaccessibility and mm. being very old-fashioned and a bit gloomy mm. and um, quite difficult to sell into. Um, but I know I was very pleasantly surprised when I got here. So um, I'd be interested to hear your take. How how did these expectations compare to the reality? Well, exactly like you, I was pleased to discover that Gray's Inn is a vibrant community, which is what it's always been at heart, uh, with an involved membership and a cadre of highly professional staff all focused on equipping a very diverse range of students. Um, and I think one of the things that's notable about Gray's is the way it's so forward thinking and it's open and responsive to change in its mission to shape practitioners and to demolish barriers to entry to the profession. So I found I was making friends from different parts of the world and different backgrounds to me, um, and the formal aspects of life at the inn, like coming to the uh, coming for a dinner for the first time, uh, were counterbalanced by warmth and inclusiveness. I completely agree with you there. I think I was so pleasantly surprised that there was such a range of people um, when I arrived at Gray's Inn. I think that's something that the bar generally, and in particular Gray's Inn, are very passionate about, really diversifying the bar and making sure that it is accessible to yeah. anyone who wants to become a barrister. Yeah. Um, and, and you've spoken about this sort of warmth and inclusiveness. Was there anything in particular that struck you when you came here? Well, when I first came on the first residential weekend, I attended a seminar, uh, which was led by Victoria Wilson, and she is chair of well-being at the bar. And she uh, spoke on our last podcast, which oh, is very nice. Right. Nice okay, I'll, need to, I'll need to go straight to that after we finish talking. And um, uh -huh. uh, she on, on at that seminar, uh, there was a panel of barristers who were answering questions about well-being. And the message um, that was put out was that it wasn't a good idea to sacrifice your health on the altar of success. I thought that was a really good message. The barristers were being honest and vulnerable, and what they shared was insightful and powerful. I, I really admired their candor. Um, some spoke of uh, how stress had got the better of them, and some of how they'd learned to manage pressures, and some related how they'd needed to talk to others in order to deal with pressure. And all this was a breath of fresh air, because I've I've seen people lose their mental health in the workplace, and I, I know it's important to have open channels of honest communication about well-being. Uh, you said that, unfortunately, you've seen people in their careers um, really struggle with their mental health. So is this quite an important subject for you? Yeah, um, I, I had a colleague, uh, a friend. Uh, she was the mother of young children. She suddenly became mentally ill. And in a few short months, she was driven inexorably to take her, her own life. 
Um, and I've, I've often thought, could talking have helped? Could earlier intervention have helped her? Um, perhaps not, but, but these thoughts led me a while ago to work with the Samaritans to create a film uh, raising awareness around mental health issues. I, I want to help decrease the stigma surrounding depression and show people that uh, a stiff upper lip isn't uh, a viable long-term coping strategy for inner turmoil. I, I, I personally don't think it's a weakness to sometimes ask for help. Uh, we don't we don't look down on sports people who use a, a physiotherapist, do we? And yet psychotherapist provokes a different set of responses, doesn't it? I think this is such an important message to get across and one that the bar is uh, really getting across recently that, yeah, it's there is absolutely no shame whatsoever in acknowledging that at times we need to look after our mental health and that well-being is something that's really important. So I, I think this sounds um, is an incredibly important message to get across. Absolutely. And I'm unashamed to say that I've known the benefit of having talking therapy, uh, talking to professionals who understand how people tick helped me when I was in a low place in myself. Um, and that's despite the fact that I was once the sort of person who would, I would happily say to other people, do you know what? Counseling can be really good. Therapy can mm. be really good. But when it came to myself, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not my cup of tea. And um, frankly, a little bit mm. embarrassing to even think that. Very different standards for yourself when compared to other people. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. I think when we're talking about the modernization of the bar, this Increased focus on well-being is a huge part of that because, as you've highlighted in the past, not just at the bar, but generally, it was something that people weren't as comfortable talking about. But now, thankfully, it's something that we are talking about more. And thank you for sharing your own experiences, because I think people doing these kinds of things really opens up the conversation. Well, well, certainly. And it was reassuring to find that Grayson were taking these issues seriously and students were able to have grown up conversations about important issues. Uh, we were signposted effectively to sources of help. And all of this said to me that Grayson was alive to and actively addressing important real life concerns. That's really, really good to hear. Um, the fact that Grayson obviously does care about its members, including its students. And you yourself, as a student, you were on circuit. So how did you find that your level of involvement with the inn um, was changed or not by this? Um, well, that's right. I, I am on uh, circuit. Um, and so it's been interesting engaging with uh, the inn uh, remotely sometimes. In my, in my career, I've helped set up an internet real retail company. Uh, but I, I didn't expect, and this was another pleasant surprise, I didn't expect to be seeing the innovative use of technology uh, by Gray's Inn when I first joined. Um, and it, it came as a welcome surprise to be able to do qualifying sessions online as well as in person uh, at the inn. Uh, I, I, it meant I didn't have to bring myself down from Birmingham from for every session. And this was really helpful because uh, sometimes the study became quite pressurising, um, as you know yourself, on the BPTC. Mm. Um, though I did enjoy coming down for the residential weekend and there was a legal research session that I got a lot from. I enjoyed the Birkenhead lecture uh, and I was looking forward, in fact, I was looking forward to coming to the mooting semi-final before the virus arrived. Yeah. Mm. So you've, um, you've managed, thankfully, to still be involved despite being on circuit. Well, yes, and it's because of the way that Grey's Inn are forward thinking. I mean, the Inn's got 
their priorities right, the overriding emphasis that I found was, wasn't on learning intricate new dining habits or anything like that. Rather, Grazing was using cutting-edge technology to equip our students effectively and efficiently for, for the modern bar. Grazing took early advantage of video conferencing even before the coronavirus pandemic to engage with students on circuit. And that was so helpful for people like me and those further afield than me and with less ability perhaps to travel. I mean, now, of course, we've all heard about Zoom and video conferencing has become an important part of our personal and professional lives. But Gray's Inn was ahead of the game. Um, the Inn was running qualifying sessions before the virus emerged, and they weren't just lectures either. I was involved in the first fully interactive online qualifying session in January 2020, uh, which was case analysis run by advocacy trainers in front of an audience who were simultaneously taking questions and feedback from us on circuit remotely. And that was that was great. I mean, it was a privilege to take part in what I think will come to be seen as a significant step in the historical development of the Inn's educational mission. So that, that was really good to be part of. It is incredible what Gray's Inn have managed to do with technology. I know that a couple of weeks ago, I did an entire um, bail application via Zoom. And um, they managed to split us into breakout rooms, and it was as if it was as if we were there. You know, I, I got just as much benefit from that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see in the future if this continues. Mm, yeah, I mean, exactly like you say, and it, it felt a little bit strange to be making like comments and asking questions at my laptop mm. in in Hansworth Wood in Birmingham while the while the tutors were helping us all engage with the topic but and there were things that could be improved and i'm sure they will be but uh, I, I felt that it was groundbreaking uh, groundbreaking stuff and I'm, I'm sure i speak for other students who who feel the relief of being included and provided for remotely especially i think especially about people who are juggling family commitments or they're working to pay for their education they're studying when they can this kind of inclusiveness is, is vital i think that's a really good point um, to focus on it. We spoke about before how both of us were very pleasantly surprised by the diversity of people in Grey's Inn and at the bar. And it's this kind of thing which allows that diversity to continue. Well, quite, yes. And, and Grey's Inn's done a good job of being there to support students by being flexible and creative. You know, I, th I thought recently about, I was at a dinner where I heard a toast for the first time, the toast domus, which is said just before the meal. And it means something like home, I understand. Um, I was thinking how uh, Gray's Inn had used the connectivity that's possible in the digital age to great effect in, in creating inclusion um, and, and creating a way of members everywhere being, being able to be part of what the Inn is doing and, and feeling a sense of belonging. And you know, we all know how, how important belonging is now, especially with the isolation that we've all endured. Mm. What do you think people who were at the end of the past, for example, your father, would think about where Grey's Inn is now? Oh, well, my father, he would have been fascinated by what Grey's Inn is achieving. Uh, he was an early adopter of technology uh, in the early 1980s he had a he had a fax machine at home which was oh, amazing wow. <laughs> very very unusual and and later a car phone uh, in the early 90s which was about the size of a medium-sized suitcase <laughs> uh, so but he would have loved to see what's going on now and and 
the 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 use of uh, video and all that stuff so um yeah there's a great video on on youtube i don't know if you've seen it it's called Gray's in fount of learning or, or, oh, or right. something no, I haven't like seen that this. yeah it's well worth looking up I'll, maybe we should put make the link available but it shows what the inn was like in the 1980s and people can get a flavor for for, for the vast change that's that's yeah, happened since. that would be really <laughs> really interesting to see so we've spoken a lot about how um Gray's Inn has modernized so far looking to the future what do you think uh, might be in store for the inn um well i think it's something that's going to affect bar as a whole is that this sudden lurch into needing to use remote technology we will have to continue to grapple with how useful it can be and what its limitations are and so the inn will need to do the same job of working out where we can usefully um, augment the educational program with the use of technology and where really the spirit of community and the benefits of community are best found in people meeting together and engaging together as they have over the centuries. Um, so the bar is grappling with the value of technology and its uh, uses and limitations for the future and, and having its, I suppose, we're all having to focus on that and, and be mindful about that. Um, and, and the inn is part of that process, I imagine. So I can't, I can't imagine what the technology of the future will look like. I think you better ask Professor Suskind for that. Huh. But I, um, I, you know, that that's certainly the the, the grappling uh, work that needs to be done to work out what's useful um, to be drawn from it and what needs to stay the same. What do you yourself hope to gain from your own membership of the inn? Well, I feel like I've already received so much from membership um, and having just received uh, an offer of pupilage, which I've accepted, I feel like Grace did so much to make that possible um, in respect of training me, um, allowing me the opportunity to meet barristers in practice. Uh, my, my sense is that I want to hand on the benefit that I've enjoyed to the next generation of students who will find their place in the community that, that is Grey's Inn. Lawrence, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Um, I think we've really learned how the bar has modernised um, and Gray's Inn in particular has got this real focus on welfare and technology, which um, I know I'm very glad to hear and it, I know you were as well, really leads to more inclusion and diversity at the bar. So thank you very, very much for coming to speak to us. Absolute pleasure, Eleanor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Raising the Bar podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review. And for more information, check us out on Twitter at RaisingTheBarGI.